Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. You know what I'm about to ask you and I know you want to click forward and, and skip over it but please hear me out. The Tortoise Shack has no ads and no sponsors and relies entirely on you to pay it forward and keep the conversations like the important one you're about to listen to keep happening. In fact I don't think you get the type of important raw and emotional conversation you're about to hear anywhere else because there will be too many corporate interests, too many uh, vested interests, advertisers who are worried about what it would say about their brand if they were to be associated with activists who were perceived to be a bit problematic. But we don't mind being problematic and we are ferociously independent. But that independence doesn't mean we have not got financial needs. We cannot keep the show on the road without your support. And the best way you can do that is by clicking on the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise Give us the couple of minutes going to take you to throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month and keep this show on the road. Because without your help, the mics go off and the conversations stop. And we don't want that to happen. And out of the thousands of you listening, we just need a few of you to put your hands in your pockets and come on board. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks for listening, liking, sharing, recommend us to a friend. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we had uh, a fantastic night at the Sugar Club um, on the 28th of January, the January that seemed to go on forever, even though now is February. And I'm reliably informed that um, February is just January under under, under better PR, under oh, new no, management. It is, it is the first day of spring and it actually feels like the first day of spring. I, 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 there's a smile on this man's face you can tell uh, and you'll hear more about it this weekend but you can tell he's had a good week so it's, I, I, I'm, I'm so exhausted and so sick and so tired <laughs> it's unreal <laughs> but your spirits are high Martin yeah well it's actually I, I, I'll be really honest with you um, you know I, I never forget that I am a long term survivor of cancer and every time spring rolls around and I see the first buds I make a point of acknowledging another spring, and I always do. I used to refer to to it as his NCT. It's like you got another badge, you know, you get the well, badge it's, on it's the car. Just, you know, to see growth again, you know, and it's it's um, you know, every time spring comes around, I t- I take time to reflect, and I do. I wasn't expecting you to get all emotional and misty-eyed. That's uh, not emotional. That's just me. You know, every, every day is is a plus day. So I just got to keep remembering that. Um, on, on that happy note, actually, the the other night, Martin, it, it was a celebration. It was a, a coming together of people. It really was, wasn't it? I, I very much thought so. That, you know, we were there for a purpose uh, uh, with Gaza. But, you know, the people that were there... It certainly was a celebration of being Palestinian. Um, you know, I, I, the, of course, a lot of family ties and, and everybody knows everybody because that's that's the circle in Ireland. And it, it, it was actually lovely to see the, the, I suppose, the solidarity among them. You know, it's rare that you have an audience where there's so much solidarity among the audience. You know, there's usually different... different uh, tangents, but no, there was a lot of solidarity and a lot of celebration. But you and know what was also strikes me it was cl- it was it was kind of we talk about class um, awareness all the time, but there's a difference between class awareness and class consciousness. There was a lot of so you know you there were psychologists in the room, there was doctors in the room, there was uh, university lecturers in the room, there were delivery drivers in the room, and there were as it happens there were homeless people in the room, and there was no. Yeah. 
There was no yeah, barriers. As a totally classless person, which I think I am. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely classless person. Um, I don't see, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I tend to be blind to it. And you, uh, you know, and I do tend to be blind to class. So, you know, if you're a lecturer or minister or whoever you are, it just doesn't hold it. Oh, I, 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 I agree, but what I suppose where I come from, where I, why I lead with it is because our politics has a class blindness, particularly in this oh, government. Where without a doubt, well, you know that was the it was, you know there is a point to be made about class in that, even though though you and and within the Palestinian community that were there, you had you know people of all different levels of achievement, yet they were a cohesive group. Yet there was respect for everybody within the group. So yeah, that was a, that was a very big plus. Yeah, I just um, just just want to say a couple of words on what's happened in, in, in this week, by the way. So obviously we saw um, South Africa's um, case been accepted by the ICJ to that Israel has a case to answer for um, in terms of being charged with possible genocide. And then within 24 hours, the news changed to, well, Israel has produced this document to show that... Um, the, some members of UNRWA are, were, were involved in October 7th and therefore UNRWA is a terrorist organisation and a lot of countries, including the US and France and, and may, mostly white countries, I want to point out, jumped on and said, oh, we're pulling funding, funding for UNRWA. UNRWA only exists because they had to fill the void when the first uh, dispossession and relocation of the Palestinian people took place. UNRWA could, the Palestinians would love to see the end of UNRWA because it would mean they had the right to return and they would be able to go back to their homes. So the reason it exists is because of the original crimes and the original sins of the original Nakba, okay? The second thing is, I've gone and had a look at the evidence, Martin, and it's quite startling. It's um, Obviously, we've got, again, in one case, South Africa presenting to one of the largest courts in the world with, um, with, uh, uh, with more judges than you could fit in Croke Park. And they accepted, you know, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly that, that Israel has a case to, to uh, answer for. And then you see what um, Israel has put forward as evidence of, of uh, these... These uh, alleged Hamas. Did you did you read any of it? I have, I have, and I I kind of you know I try and break it down into something that I can understand. And it, it, to me, when I look at Fianna Fáil, and I look particularly, well, you could say Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, you know, do they say the whole government has to be suspended because a few of them didn't uh, put their details properly into the it, it, on the registry? You know. No, 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 the machine moves on because the machine is more important than the individual. But there's, ter- there's 30,000 people employed by UNRWA. But this if you look is what at- I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. And this is what I wanted to say. So the, the what is it, 12? 12 to 13 people, allegedly. But Martin, more importantly than that, they've, 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 they've said that they've now decided that one person has got links to Hamas, is a Hamas member now. As we said on the night, and as was said by experts, uh, international experts who've met with Hamas, Hamas are many things. They can't. They, they are. They are the um, government. They are the uh, the local police force. They are a mil- They are a military force. They are the in the eyes of in the eyes of the Palestinians. They are rightly seen as a resistance force. They are also seen as people who who work in in. It's like saying that any member of the Ba'ath Party under Saddam was automatically a terrorist in in many ways, which was a huge mistake that that the U.S. government made. But what, one of the one of the things about this group that was allegedly put forward when you went through the group, do you know what it was? What it was really called what 
vacancies, UNRWA vacancies. It was a place where people look for jobs in UNRWA. So it was a place where these a lot of people would check on a daily basis to see if there was any work going, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, in Gaza, work is... Hmm. Hands teeth. You've you've unemployment levels of 40% and of a, a, I have to stress, unemployment levels of 40% and yet 98% of people are fully literate, highly educated and and well able to to work. There's just no opportunities. Okay, the EU is such fucking cowards, Tony. And we know this. It's cowardice. It's just utter, utter cowardice. You know, and it's influence and it's power and it's everything that's wrong in the world that they can do something. It's everything that's wrong in the world. It's something that an aid organization that fills all these gaps, literally all the gaps in society, every gap that we take for granted, schools, hospitals, transport, everything that we take for granted. And that this is the only organization supplying this infrastructure, this vital infrastructure to Gaza because Israel's such a bastard to them. You know, that's why it exists. That is why it exists. And for the international community to be so easily... It's not their lead. It's the path is shown to them and they're only too fucking willing to run down it. That's it. I think you've summed it up beautifully, particularly the the European Commission, the unelected European Commission, you know, elected by a bunch of insiders and then running down, running first, head first into this when, when, and again, I want to come back to the Irish perspective as well, because um, Micheál Martin has been doing a blinding job of what the kids call gaslighting. You know, and it's just been absolutely terrible to watch where he has been saying things like he doesn't understand why he actually accused Richard Boyd Barrett of showboating for Palestine. Richard Boyd Barrett, who has over two decades of advocating for Palestine. Richard Boyd Barrett, who has done more to increase Irish-Palestinian solidarity than anybody else. And I don't give Richard Boyd Barrett much credit very often. I give out to about him all the time. But Micheál Martin, who went and pointed at a at a, at a fucking broken ceiling, is, is going on as if Richard Boyd Barrett is showboating. And then he turned around and he said, I don't understand why the opposition are so vocal about this. Ireland is is really good on 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 our on what we're saying about Palestine. Exactly, actions speak louder than words. You've said a lot of polite words. You've done fuck all in terms of real actions. You've said you'll consider maybe one day eventually talking to someone who might have a look at it a way that we might join the ICJ, the South Africa's case in the ICJ. You've said we will do all. You know, we said, well, we'll we'll look at ways that we can we'll we'll send some, we can send other aid. They, the one thing they will say, they didn't pull their funding from UNRWA, but it's Ireland is a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of that anyway, Martin. Um, and we're awash with money. We should probably just step up and say we'll actually double what we're giving as as something as some sort of a gesture. And as you pointed out, the Count Carla was running around with um, the Israeli ambassador uh, only only a week after the, telling... The, now, now, honestly, that has to be called out. And the, uh, f- first of all, uh, on, yeah, actions speak louder than words. Michal Martin has spent a career talking and getting nothing done. So, you know, and it's the malaise of politics that they all talk, but actually achieve bloody nothing. Nothing. But yes, the, 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 the Kiaokola, what the hell? He will not even acknowledge, loud be acknowledged, by the raising of a flag on the doll, yet he will stand beside the Israeli ambassador. It is 
disgraceful. It's disgraceful bias. It's it's not even trying to walk a straight line. It's certainly not even trying. And this is a week after he'd visited Auschwitz, which absolutely uh, is is a, is a great thing to have done. But but then said in Auschwitz on stage, the far left. <laughs> Again, we're causing the problems, and he equated the far left with the far right in in, in his speech. And he's just thinking, you know, this is the kind of nonsense we have to put up with. It's not um, dangerous, old men. Tony is what, and you know what's most dangerous about them? Their fucking ignorance is what's most dangerous about them. He's an ignorant, dangerous old man, and that these people can make decisions in this country is just beyond belief. It's and, simply beyond belief. And I want to point out why I'm saying this, because on the night uh, we were in the Sugar Club, we had a lot of things, we had a lot of moving parts, a lot of a lot of things that happened. Um, but one thing happened spontaneously, and listeners to this podcast would be well aware of our friend Zach Kanaya, who is still in Gaza, uh, who sent me pictures yesterday of uh, of a tent city springing up um, in in front of his eyes, um, and his son Mazen joined us on stage. Martin, myself, yourself, uh, Mazen, and the font of all knowledge and all things uh, anti-apartheid and and Palestine and Irish solidarity, Assad Abu Shark. Uh, we and we had just kind of finished our conversation, and Mazen had brought along. A friend, he said, do you mind if my friend comes along on the night? We were like, of course, you know, bring bring anybody you want. And we, when we finished, we went down, we were down to grab a glass of water, grab whatever, up to the green room. And um, Mazen's friend, Barra, had said to, to Mazen, I think I'd like to say a few words. And, you know, it was a busy night. We had a lot to go. And he said, so Mazen asked me, could we, could we say a few words? Could he say a few words? Could we work out what's happened? Uh, can we work a little slot in? And um, we rejigged it. We rejigged things a little bit. Why this is important is because Barra's a young man. Um, he's uh, the madman, the madman who uh, rampaged and, and burned things on the streets of Dublin and caused, you know, burning out buildings where there may be emergency accommodation. All they would, they would term him as a young man, uh, unvetted of a military fighting age. You know, we know the nonsense. We know the lies, yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Now, listen. Before we go to this, I'm going to ask you because. People will ask after they've heard it. And I don't want to give any more away about it. Things are happening since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Barra. Things are starting to happen for Barra. And and that was, why, that was one of the other things about being in the room. Being in the room, there were people there who had access to to areas where where supports can be can be done and people are when given the opportunity will step up and help and support people and we'll have more on that in the coming days in fact we'll probably myself and yourself and, and a few of the lads that, that that performed on the night we'll be sitting down to have to, to break bread and have a chat as well and and bring people and, up to date just before tony goes to this just to say behind every single Term every time you see Ireland is full or anything like behind that, there are real people, and you know, it's re- real people have real feelings, real stories, you know, and you gotta listen really carefully to this when you're looking at somebody and you're thinking immigrant or refugee. Think of this story, and think of it. 
I would just urge you, please, to listen for the next 12 minutes. I think it is, Martin. It's uh, it's a powerful first-person testimonial of someone's own journey. And, yeah, we won't spoil it for anybody, but would urge you to make sure you listen and you... And again, to hold hold that story in your heart when, when when people say, "Get them out, burn them out." Ireland is full, you know. Um, and again, the the web, the idea that somehow the young man, the young male, is is a threat to to everybody. Uh, let we'll we'll leave we we'll leave the stage now as as we did on the night to Barra and let him continue on. I will add one final part. There is a beautiful performance of it. It's okay by uh, Kieran Moran that that finishes this, and um, yeah, you'll, you're in for a real, a real powerful story, and then a beautiful, a beautiful performance at the end of it. So, so thanks for everybody who came along, and let's uh, and let's um, have come back to this in a few days. Let's come back to this in a few days, Martin. Thank you. Stage is yours, sir. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming here, and uh, my English is not good. Uh, I will uh, take my friend to translate. I uh, will speak in Arabic, and uh, he's transfer- translating. Okay, thank you. How you, can you hear me, yeah? yeah. So, introduce yourself, um, and everything, yeah, continue in Arabic. Uh, أنا طلعت من غزة تقريبا قبل ثلاث سنوات طبعا أنا ما كنت أتوقع في أي يوم إني أغادر غزة لأنه كان أمورنا كلها تمام إحنا في الأصل مصورين أن أنا فوتوغرافي يعني بصور مونتاج تصوير فكانت أمورنا كلها تمام. So he left Gaza three years ago and he didn't know that he's gonna leave Gaza. Uh, he has a family business. They all like do photos, photography and everything. So yeah, continue. Uh, بعد ما خلصت دراستي في الجامعة ف يعني كانت كل تقريبا ست شهور أو سنة تصير علينا حرب فأنا شايف إنه البلد هذه ما رح أقدر أعمل فيها أي شيء ولا أقدر أحقق أي شيء فيها لأنه كل سنة تصير فيها حرب تنهدم بيوت تنهدم المحلات تنهدم كل شيء. So he finishes education uh, in college and he's saying that every now and then every two years every one year a war from Israel against Gaza against people in Gaza. So he decided that there's no future in him, for him in Gaza and he decided to leave. So yeah. فقررت اني اغادر البلد طبعا انا يعني الكل صار يحكي لي انه انت تروح اوروبا ممكن تكون افضل خيار لك فللاسف الشديد كانت فيزا اوروبا يعني كثير صعبه بالنسبه للفلسطيني لانه جواز تبعنا ممكن يكون okay, but unfortunately, because I, as you know, because he has a Palestinian passport, he's restricted towards travel to get the visa. And you know, Europe is one of the most like it's so hard to get a visa to to visit Europe and everything. So yeah. فما كان في عندي حل إلا أطلع على تركيا. يعني كانت فيزا تركيا هي المتاحة بس لنا. Okay, so basically, the only option for him was to go to Istanbul, Turkey. طبعا قعدت في تركيا ما يقارب سنه اشتغلت فيها وهيك لانه اصلا كانوا اهلي معارضين اني اطلع بطريقه غير شرعيه فكانت الامور يعني نسمع ناس بتغرق وناس بتموت يعني في هذه الطريقه. So he went to Turkey and he started working and his family were rejecting the idea that he to go to Europe in a legal way because it's hard and it's dangerous because some people die in the way. فلما كنت موجود في تركيا طبعا الامور ما كانت بالنسبه لي جيده وانا كان هدفي اني اطلع اوروبا و 
يعني سمعت كثير عن اوروبا انها تكون افضل بالنسبه لي فقررت اني اهاجر So basically uh, everyone was telling him to take to go to Europe for a better future and everything and so he decided to take the hardest route which is the legal way بلشت بلشت ابحث عن كيف اطلع وهيك عن المهربين ولكن للاسف شديد كل المهربين يعني كذابين يعني وما بكونوا يحكوا بطريقه صادقه وبيطلبوا مبالغ هائله even when he wanted to go to a legal way everyone is scamming him taking money from him and not even finding a way to come to Europe فقررت اني اطلع سباحه من تركيا لليونان so he decided to swim from Turkey to Greece طبعا كان هذا الامر بالنسبه لي جدا قرار صعب اني اخذه ولكن انا يعني بعرف اني بعرف اسبح طبعا انا اخذت القرار وطلعت في اليوم الاول لحالي فشفت منظر البحر ورجعت ثاني المنظر كان مرعب لانه كانت الطلعه حطلع في الليل المساء سو يا هي ديسايد تو جو اند تو سويم بات فيرست تايم هي وينت ذير هي واز لايك ذا سي واز سو دينجرس لايك هي كودنت دو ات بيكوز هي سين ذا سي He thought himself he's a, like he told himself like I'm a good swimmer like nothing will like make me afraid of anything while he seen the sea was like no I'm not going to do it and he went back بعد ثلاث ايام طبعا لقيت شاب صديقي رافقني في هذه الرحله طبعا ممكن تسمى ممكن نسميها رحله الموت فلقيت حدا يساندني وقال لي انا حطلع معك so basically uh, to encourage himself he asked a friend of his to go with him and they went together and they called it the trip of death because you never know فطبعا طلعنا انا يعني اشترينا بس بدله السباحه تحمينا من البرد لان طلعنا في تقريبا شهر 9 كانت الدنيا برد طبعا طلعنا من تركيا من منطقه اسمها بودروم so basically during september he started his journey from turkey from bodrum كانت المسافه تقريبا فحصناها على الجوجل ماب تقريبا 6 كيلومتر so the distance was about 6 kilometers فقررنا نطلع طلعنا تقريبا الساعه 9 المساء نزلنا في الميه في من تركيا وصلنا طبعا اليونان الساعه 3 الصبح so he started his journey from turkey 9 pm swimming and he reached cyprus cyprus right yeah around 3 am so 6 hours right yeah طبعا شفنا الموت اكثر من مره في في الطريق شفنا الموت اكثر من مره يصير معنا شد عضل ولكن طبعا الحمد لله قدرنا نتخطي هيك امور نتخطى so he seen this multiple times because of you, as you can see it was dark the sea was moving and yeah fortunately like he was a good swimmer he had a friend to encourage him so could you tell them how did you know the distance how did you know from Turkey to Cyprus كيف عرفت انه كيف وجهت كيف شفت المكان طبعا المكان طبعا من تركيا انت بتشوف ممكن بتشوف اليونان هي جزيره يونانيه اسمها كوس طبعا احنا كنا شايفين فيها المراوح تبعت الطاقه كان في خمس مراوح يا دوب تكون شايفها يعني يعني صعب جدا انك تشوفها غير تكون مركز كثير فعلمناها نقطه ان نضل ماشيين عليها So they know how so he planned how he know like he's in Greece he went to the island so you see only lights small lights in Greece so he decided to just swim to them yeah بعد هيك طبعا انا كنت يعني بطلع على الدول الاوروبيه فكانت اليونان يعني الكل بيحكي دوله فقيره مش للاستقرار ولكن للاسف الشديد تم القبض علينا وتبصيمنا وقالوا لنا راح تبقوا هون so he stayed in Yunnan forcibly they forced him to stay in Yunnan and they made him do his fingerprints and everything قررت اني يعني في اي طريقه انه احاول باسرع وقت اطلع من اليونان. So he tried his best to leave Greece. 
طبعا انا قعدت تقريبا في اليونان لمده سنه كنت اشتغل وطبعا روحت زياره على اهلي على قطاع غزه مع انه ممنوع طبعا so he stayed for one year in Greece and he went back to Gaza to visit his family and he didn't know that it was his last time seeing his father alive لما روحت طبعا بدي ازور اهلي وازور عائلتي فتقريبا قعدت معهم تقريبا شهرين او ثلاث شهور ورجعت ثاني على اليونان So he stayed two months with his family in Gaza. That was the last time he's in Gaza, seeing his family, and now he's back to Greece. Okay. بعد هيك ال الله مسأل. لما كنت في اليونان طبعاً قبل ما أفكر أجي على إيرلندا بلشت الحرب. So before he decided to come to Dublin, the war has started. بلشت الحرب هذه الأخيرة وكنت جداً قلقان لأنه الحرب هاي مش زي كل حرب. He was worried because this war is different than any other war that Israel launched on Gaza. اهلي طبعا احنا في منطقه غزه فكانت المنطقه جدا خطيره تعتبر من منطقه الشمال so his family decided to move from north to south because the, where they stay is so dangerous طبعا اهلي نزحوا اكثر من ثلاث مرات من البيت yeah they moved more than like four times three times في يوم الايام طبعا اجاني اتصال one day he got a call انا كنت في شغلي واجى الاتصال من اخوي الصغير اخبرني انه ابوك فرق الحياه so yeah, بعد انا ما ما قدرتش اتحمل اي شيء يعني صراحه بس كنت ناوي بس انه ارجع على غزه اشوف اهلي حتى لو بدي اموت معهم بس بدي ارجع على غزه ولكن للاسف الشديد كان كل شيء مسكر المعبر ومصر كل شيء طبعا اصدقائي قالوا لي انت لازم تهدي ويعني ما بصير الا كل خير يعني ولازم تضلك موجود وتفكر بخطوه ثانيه ف yeah. His friends calmed him down and told him you have to like to think for a different like step and situation. طبعاً في الحرب هذه ما بس خسرت والدي طبعاً عمي استشهد قبل أبي بثلاث أيام. Yeah, and his uncle as well was killed three days before his father. And وبنت عمي وولادها جميعهم كلهم ماتوا لسه أطفال عند ثلاث أطفال أكبر وعندهن عمره ثمان سنوات. And his relatives as well, like about like five of them were killed. بالاضافه الى جدتي ام ابويا طبعا هي كبيره في العمر كنا مخبيين عنها الخبر استشهاد ابويا وعمي فطبعا بعد ما عرفت الخبر صار معها جلطه وماتت بعد ثلاث ايام so they were they didn't tell his grandmother that her son was killed by the israeli but then when they told her she had a heart attack and she died in the spot طبعا انا كنت لازم اخذ خطوه لانه انا مش قادر لا ارجع اشوف اهلي ولا قادر اقعد في اليونان لانه ما كان في عندي استقرار فقررت اني اطلع وكان انا عندي حلم من وانا صغير اني اقعد في دوله بتحكي انجليزي فانا هدفي هذا سو هي ديسايد تو تيك ذات ستيب اتس 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 هارد ديسيجن تو موف تو ا كونتري وير هيز جول لايك وين هي واز يونج هي وونتد تو جو تو ان انجليش سبيكينج لانجويج فبلشت ابحث شو شو الدوله ممكن اللي اروحها تحكي انجليزي او شو الدوله اللي ممكن تناسبني فانا طلعت فلقيت هي ايرلندا هي الدوله الوحيده اللي بتعترف في دوله فلسطين وبتدعم القضيه والشعب الفلسطيني. So the reason he came to Dublin because he was doing his uh, to Ireland he was doing his own research and found out that we have we are shared a struggle and he you understand what he's feeling. 
because of what you experienced and decided to come to Ireland. Thank you. وبتمنى ان شاء الله في الايام القادمه ان يكون الوضع افضل طبعا انا لما اجيت هان طبعا قدمت لجوء فقط حصلت على بلو كارد وللاسف الشديد انا تقريبا صار لي شهر بدون ماوى لانه حكوا لي انه احنا في عنا ازمه سكنات Yeah, he's he's uh, applied for EVG status, but unfortunately, they told him to go sleep in the street, and he's been sleeping for a whole month in the streets now. I'm confident that, of course, there's a pressure and so on. But as a person from Gaza, the expectation is that there's a place where we have a war. I'm of course, I went to the airport and told them that I'm finished. I mean, after I saw the situation, the situation was very difficult. So after staying here for a whole month without a refuge or without a house, he went back to the immigration office and they told him that if you're not going to find me a place, I will go back to Gaza and I will die there because I'm moved from a tent to a tent. ولكن انا لما اجيت هان صراحه لما شفت الشعب الايرلندي شفته بيطلع مظاهرات بيطلع بيدعم الشعب الفلسطيني طبعا انا يعني قلت خلص يعني انا زي اكنه عائله الشعب الايرلندي صراحه انا حسيته فانا بتمنى اني اضل هان وابلش شغلي ابلش اللي هو مهاراتي انا مصور فوتوغرافي فبتمنى اني اعيش هان وشكرا للشعب الايرلندي So basically, after he seen the demonstrations and the love of the Irish people to Palestine and everything, he felt like he's part of the family. He felt like the Irish people are his family, and he's wishing like to continue living his life here in Ireland, here in Dublin, in front of views with views, and to start his own like he start working and start to be like. Thank you very much. Even like if anyone. So yeah, thank you very much for listening to him. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Was it I was broken? Was it I was hopeless? Or was I just a voiceless boy and went unnoticed? And was I missed inside, hoping you'd realize I'm in the middle of a war between my heart and mine? It's not okay to do it all alone It won't matter where you go Won't you have a hand to hold If your days are darker than you'd hope Find yourself alive And you won't see this go It's okay I've changed my way I think of better days Cause a rope was only gonna take my pain away And I'm too strong a boy To make a stupid choice I could have gave it all away Just because I was afraid It's not okay to do it 
Thank you. <laughs> 